Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the Cracking Nights show hosted by myself and my co-host JP. This is the only show on the planet dedicated to the NHL's two youngest teams and of course I'm talking about the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, now before I get into the podcast JP and before we start talking about everything that happened this week and obviously we've got a ton of stuff to go through. Um, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of the new listeners. So you've not gone unnoticed. Um, not only am I a sad stats man when it comes to the NHL, also I carry that same sadness and JP unfortunately has to deal with this on multiple levels, it's not just in <laughs> hockey, but in podcasting as well. I take the same staty sadness into that. And so, you know, we've seen our numbers this week as in the week just gone. Um, and it's fantastic to see new people listening to the show. Fantastic to see people going back and listening to old episodes as well. Um, so, hello to all of you, and you know, and obviously welcome to uh, or the community that we're trying to create here at the Cracking Nights show. So, so yeah, thank you. Absolutely, thank you, new listeners. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that we're getting more people listening to the show. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, we'll start on a high note. And a happy note, and then it'll gradually get more depressing as we as we go through the podcast. <laughs> so there we go. Um, Kraken fans that are listening to this episode, um, we remained undefeated this week uh, on the basis that we didn't have any games uh, thanks to COVID. <laughs> and there'll be some Kraken fans, probably myself included. There was a little part of me that's missing hockey a lot, um, but there was also that tiny weeny part of my brain that was going, at least you didn't have to watch them lose this week. And I went, eh, yeah, good point. Focus on the positive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which our next game is against the Colorado Avalanche. What could go wrong, guys? What could go wrong? Um, uh, so we have got some Kraken news, which we'll cover in our news bit in a minute. Um, but no cracking game reviews no cracking weekly reviews so this is a very golden knights centric episode i thought i'd just get that out of the way now um in case kraken fans are holding on to see that we're gonna have some cracking news at the beginning as i said but then it is going to be golden knights focused uh, still worth listening to i would point out but just as a uh, as a pointer um so without further ado uh let's jingle our way into the news so snappy that um, little jingle short and sweet so we've still not managed to get you acapellaing it yet but we'll, we'll get there i'm working on it so <laughs> I'm, I'm practicing in my off time in your downtime yeah so um one of the things that we've been focusing on over and we started with the realignment and the creation of, of the cracking night show obviously moving from our our previous show um and is trying to take on listener feedback and factor that into the show so people who follow us on twitter will know that i did that poll around podcast length to try and get an idea as to what our listeners want to hear how long they would like it to be um you know both myself and jp are pretty aligned and that we don't want to be clock watching so we don't want to stop a podcast early just to hit a certain time um that's not what this show's about but we have thought about ways that we can trim it up uh, and one of those is around the new section so as we said last time, and, and really this time you'll see a big difference, is, is we're not going to cover everything that happened in the NHL. So there may be some news that I don't cover today um, because we've tried to pick out the things that either we want to talk about or the things that are really relevant to the Kraken or the Golden Knights. Um, so 
So that's why the news is going to be a little slimmer. So it's January. So lots of people, I'm sure, are trying to slim for January. Uh, the news is doing just the same <laughs> and, and hopefully more successful than most of us who try in January and fail all the way through to December. So um, a New Year's weight loss plan for the news. <laughs> yeah, you can you can always spot them. Like, So you go in the gym in the morning and there's some, some guy or girl will come in and their trainers are like immense. They are mm. so bright. Like they could literally light part of the gym on their own. And you think you bought them in December to use them in January, yeah. didn't you? So, yeah. Anyway, there you go. And then, and then uh, in February, they're gone. That's it. Yeah, no more. That's it. Ready for the next January. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, uh, first, and this, we had to cover this piece of news. This is a piece of news which has polarized many within the NHL. Um, I'm currently doing my utmost to annoy most of the San Jose fan base by just getting that stick out and just prodding in the side of their chest and just saying, yeah, but what about this? Um, and and that is around Evander Kane. So Evander Kane has been a story for a little while. Um, you know, we joked only before Christmas about him potentially being traded to the Golden Knights. Um, and, you know, he's gone from hero to zero. Uh, it's worth pointing out, by the way, and, and this is been covered in the NHL coverage, but a lot of people have been talking about it have, have neglected to mention that two things that he was um, being accused of, he was found not guilty of both of those. Things, or there wasn't substantial evidence or whatever the hell it was in terms of an answer around the uh, the sexual assault claims, I think, or the, the, the yeah, whatever, whatever the, the off-ice issues were, okay? And Evander Kane is a character and he has had plenty of off-ice issues. So my points here... I've got nothing to do with any of the off-ice stuff. Okay, so I'm just that's the caveat I'm throwing out now. But in a turn of events, the San Jose Sharks are now trying to cancel his contracts. They've put him on unconditional waivers. And what they're saying is that he breached his contract uh, on the 18th of October when he didn't follow COVID protocol, which led him to be suspended by the NHL for 21 games. It is worth pointing out for the sake of balance here, okay, San Jose fans who are now currently quickly throwing their iPods on the floor and deleting the podcast from their, their devices, <laughs> it's fine. We'll continue anyway, is they also tried to trade Evander Kane in, in, the, like in between these dates. So October 18th, he breaches his contract. Um, they try and trade him. They fail. Uh, and now suddenly it's such a big deal that they have to cancel his contract because, you know, it's a breach and bloody blah. You think, well, okay, if it's a breach, guys, why don't you do that back in November or December or any time, in fact, between October and January, you know, 8th or 9th or whatever day it was that the news came out a couple of days ago. Um, so I just, and I want to get your thoughts on it, JP. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know what his contract says, you can tell from the way that the NHLPA, so that's the Players Association within the NHL, has been quite vocal about saying, if you do this, Sharks, we're going to fight you on this because we don't believe there to be just cause. And I'd love to know if there's any listeners that know of other players that have breached COVID protocol and not been sacked for it, because there's certainly other sports where players have breached COVID protocols and not been sacked for it. Um, Aaron Rodgers being the most obvious one to go to, uh, given that he told, and Cam Newton and others, who have all 
said one thing, whether it's about vaccinations or whatever, they've broken a protocol and not been not been done for it. But this feels to me like this is the San Jose Sharks interim um, GM because obviously uh, their GM is currently off on medical leave, uh, basically saying we need to get rid of this guy. This is seven million a year in cap that I don't want to have to play with. Oh, here's a nice idea. Let's do him for this. And it's it was their kind of smoking gun, albeit two months later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're clear. That's pretty clear. Like they're mm. like, okay, we're not going to be able to get anything out of him in terms of a trade. We're not going to be able to get any value. Mm. So let's, um, you know, let's see if this works. I mean, I, you know, I, I get it. Without passing any moral or ethical judgment on Evander Kane, I don't know the player. Yep. But you can't argue that trouble follows this guy wherever he goes. I mean, he's had trouble following him for years. And so clearly the Sharks are just over it, right? They, they've been looking for, they've been trying to get rid of him for a long time now. And like I said, I haven't walked a mile in Evander Kane's shoes. I don't know what it's like to be him. So I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not trying to speak, you know, to this guy's moral and ethical fiber, but, um, but he obviously has been a controversial player for a long time and, and, the, and the Sharks want to get rid of him one way or the other. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, no, that's obvious to me that they've seen that they're not going to be able to get any value out of him. And so now they just want to be done, but there's no, like, there's not much legal precedent for it because this COVID thing is only, you know, we're only a couple of years into this and really only maybe a year into this in terms of it being part of, of sports, part of the sports landscape. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree with you, mate. And then this is why, that's why I kind of gave the the legal caveat at the beginning saying like i'm not mm-hmm. saying that evander kane's a saint or that he did or didn't do other things yeah, to annoy you know he's always been he's always like you said news around dressing room issues has always mm-hmm. followed evander kane you know only the people yeah. in the dressing room will know whether it's true or not but right. it's always followed him like um you know like a bad hangover but mm-hmm. he i just feel like like San Jose are going to get, I mean, I guess this is maybe, this is the Kraken fan of me who's speaking here and I'm generally an NHL fan who who doesn't like to see teams abusing the system. Remember, mm-hmm. we were talking about the full Kucherov the other day, right? Um, and, you know, joking about the match Pacioretty thing, which obviously is not, by the way, them doing a Kucherov before, before people think that that's what I'm suggesting. I'm not. <laughs> but when the Kucherov thing happened, like the NHL community lost its mind over it. Ah, oh, tamper of fake the league. You know they've 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 cheated. La la la. All this other stuff. Yet San Jose is going to get out of seven million of cap. Like I wouldn't mind if they cancel his contract. I think I, would, I probably would on some moral level have an issue with it. But from a fan perspective, I wouldn't mind if they cancel his contract if they still had to eat his cap. Because then I would say, okay, but it's sunk. It's like it's like a a buyout, right? So you have to eat some of his cap, right? But according to what I've read, and as I said, I'm not a lawyer, and I did not write the NHL's, uh, you know, salary rules. So again, please tell me if this is incorrect. But from what I've seen, if they cancel his contract for a breach, the contract is nil and void, and therefore the cap hit associated with the contract is not only removed. It's actually prorated and backdated to the beginning of the season. So next year, because this year it doesn't really matter, but next year San Jose would be rid of the 7 million of cap. And that's a massive competitive advantage that they're gaining on teams like 
Vegas, like others who are, you know, in cap hell, which most teams end up in when they're good. Um, and like they signed that deal with him. And I just, to me, it feels like it's a loophole that they're explore, exploiting. And I, I'm a little surprised that the general NHL community is so like seemingly okay with this, but they weren't okay with the Kucherov thing. I just, that's, I find a bit confusing, but so I hope San Jose fail in their attempt to cancel this contract. I don't, I don't mind saying that. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting too, because it's harder to, I think the, the, the tendency is for, it's harder for people to feel sorry for Evander Kane. <laughs> yes. He does not evoke as much pity as some players do. Right. And, 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 you know, speaking strictly from a human standpoint, I think we should have some compassion for the guy, right? Like he obviously struggles to, to some degree with, with certain parts of life. At least it seems that way. And and so I have compassion for a guy like that who, who kind of has a hard time getting out of his own way, it seems like. But, mm-hmm. but I think that's part of the issue too, is that, you know, Evander Kane is a very, on the ice, is a very hated player by a lot of fan bases. You know, he's, he's got a bit of a temper and he's that kind of player, right? So strictly on the ice, Golden, like for instance, Golden Knights fans hate Evander Kane. They absolutely despise him just as, just in terms of his on the ice presence. So in this situation, I think it's easier for people to not feel sorry for him. But if we were to take the fact that he's Evander Kane out of the situation and just say, this guy's an NHL player mm-hmm. and a human being who has a contract and who has an agreement, you know, if you look at it from <clears throat> a more objective perspective like that, you know, it's easier to see the points that you're making there, right? Like, should a team be able to just back out of a guy's contract? In a, you know, and, and obviously we understand why Kane wouldn't want that and why the players association whose job it is to protect the players, why they wouldn't want that. Because, um, if it, if it works and they do cancel his contract, that's a lot of money left on the table and there's no way he's getting that money again. Somebody will sign him. Like his NHL career is probably not over. I think he's probably got at least one more shot. Like somebody's going to sign him, Oh but it isn't going to be for that money. Nope. You know, he's going to get a one-year deal and it's going to be greatly reduced. Like somebody's going to get, say like, hey, we're going to give you a shot for a year and we'll give you a couple million. I mean, I yeah. can't say for sure how much he'll get, but it's not going to be what he's getting now, you know, because yeah. of his track record and his controversy. Some team's going to bring him in and say, look, we're going to give you a shot. We're going to sign you for a year and we're going to give you $2 million or something like that. And then if you do well, we'll talk again. But that whatever his deal is for that much money, he's never going to see another deal like that again. And so I understand why this is an important case, right? Whatever happens here is going to establish a precedent one way or the other for future players that aren't Evander Kane. <laughs> you know what I mean? I agree. So, that's why, that's why I think it's so, such a, an interesting story. Um, mm-hmm. obviously we'll, we'll follow and we'll see where it goes, but oh, yeah, yeah, I, could, yeah, for me, I just, it's weak. I think it's really, really, really weak. You know, it's like wanting to try and get rid of a member of your team because they're not performing, but you can't get them out for poor performance. So they turn up late to a meeting once and you go, ah, there you go. I can nail him for that. So it just yeah. it just feels a bit weak to me. Uh, I feel like but, maybe what's more likely to happen is some compromise or some new policy is is likely to be reached, something in the middle where the team is, like you said, maybe getting some relief and and Kane, you know, Kane's contract's over, but the, like you said, almost like a buyout that he gets some portion of that salary. Like I think that's 
I, like I said, I don't know. I'm not an expert on the rules, but I feel like maybe ultimately that's where it might wind up, you know? Yeah, which would be fair because at the end of the day, you know, they could cancel his contract in the off season anyway and suffer the buyout penalty. So right. they're not doing right. something that can't be done. Um, mm-hmm. I just think the way in which they're doing it and the lack of a cap hit for doing it just doesn't quite, you know, I mean, like, yeah, if I was any other team in the Western Conference, you know, their GM, I'd be sort of thinking, whoa, I don't think so, because otherwise yeah. I'm going to do that with my seven players that I want to get rid of, you know, yeah. so um, everybody has bad contracts, right? It's an important situation for sure, because yeah, one way or the other, it's going to establish a precedent, like what happens when these situations arise so it'll be it's a fascinating definitely a fascinating story you know exactly and we started off on such a happy note with our news so we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna keep that good good uh, feeling train going so um, i promise i was going to be cracking news and uh we don't like to disappoint on the cracking night show so we're not going to um the Jaden swartz injury we've got a little bit more information around that so it's a hand injury as we knew already because they gave us that little bit of detail where they told us what body part it was um i still don't understand quite why the nhl teams are so secretive around injuries but maybe it's just a british thing and we're used to knowing everything and everything about injuries uh, in the uk um but what it does mean, and we do know this, is that he's going to need hand surgery, which means he's going to be out for four weeks. Now, that was earlier in the week, so we're probably looking at more like three and a half weeks now. But, you know, it is it is a massive blow to the Kraken. Uh, we talked about it last episode, so I'm not going to go into too much about why it's a massive blow, but it is a massive blow to the Kraken. He is, he is such an underrated influence in that team right now. Um, so... Him and Tanev is uh, two big, big, big blows. Um, and then obviously the other bit of cracker news was that we managed to have every single game this week postponed, which has created some sort of weird bye week, um, which we weren't expecting. Um, and, and like we were talking on a previous show, JP, you know, February, they're kind of lucky that the NHL players aren't going to the Olympics because... They're going to need that month to make these games up. I, I dread to think how many there are now. I mean, obviously the Kraken has got at least four, five, maybe even six games that it needs to make up now. So um, it's uh, a lot to do. And then the last piece of news, uh, and this is a happy piece, so we can finish on a happy note. Uh, and that is that Jumbo Joe, so Joe Thornton uh, hit 1,700 games. So one seven zero zero professional games in the NHL. Uh, and he is the sixth player in history to do that. So I know that he doesn't play for the Kraken or the Golden Knights, but we can we can still be pretty impressed by that. I mean, the guy is an absolute legend. I kind of hope that he wins a Stanley Cup this year, um, but I know that you don't agree with me with that, JP, because that means Florida win it and, and Vegas don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand the yeah. sentiment, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he's oh, he's such a such a top guy. Right, so we said we were going to do a week review of Vegas. Um, I kind of hoped that we would maybe be starting on a better week than this week, JP. <laughs> so I apologize <laughs> in advance. So we we, uh, we talked after the last show, and obviously this wasn't recorded because this was a conversation myself and JP had after we recorded the last show that we wanted to do more around reviewing 
the individual games, the the performances of of the two teams. Um, obviously, the performance this week of the Crackers very easy to review. Yes, we didn't play any games, but Vegas did. Uh, and just a spoiler alert, by the way, to anybody who's listening to this podcast, we are going to talk about the games, the results. Um, but it's Monday. Uh, so if you haven't watched the games by now, you need to to get out of that rock that you're hiding under. And <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so four games played, um, five if we include Anaheim in terms of the uh, the homestand, but four games in this week. So going from Sunday to to Sunday, started with the the, the five four loss in in overtime to Winnipeg. Then it was a three two loss to Nashville. Um, a pretty emphatic victory against the New York Rangers. So they beat them 5-1. And then last night's loss to Chicago. Um, now, before we get into the breakdown of these results, I think we need to talk about the elephant in the ice rink, um, which is obviously Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, it was... I obviously don't have the same emotion as as the Vegas fans. I'm a big Flurry fan. Anybody that watched any of our really early episodes, and we're talking really early now, you'll you'll know that we did some video footage. And behind me, I have Flurry's jersey um, on the wall. So I'm a massive, massive Marc Andre fan. I don't care who he plays for, um, but it was pretty impressive to see him at the Fortress last night. And if I was a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was, I would have texted JP and said Vegas are losing tonight because Fleury's not going to lose like he's just he's the kind of guy even though he had a bit of a rocky start in the first period um you know he he looked like the Fleury that we all know and love uh you know pulling off some absolutely amazing saves and let's be honest it felt like and I want to get your thoughts but it felt like he was the difference maker between those two teams yeah, yeah, I would say a little of both. I think Flurry played. He had a couple of huge saves that definitely kept kept the game. It's preserved Chicago's lead there towards the end. One in particular, right in the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Chicago also, you know, they played really hard for him. Like that, you know, the, the it wasn't just him. Like the team, you know, they did a good job of sort of choking out any offense. Any offense. Once they got that lead, they they definitely clogged up the neutral zone. You know, the Knights went five or six minutes without even getting a shot on goal. So Chicago was playing very hard for him, you know, understanding that, that you know. The occasion. It, yeah. yeah, the occasion and wanting to make a statement. You know, now I, it was not a it was not a decisive victory. I'm not making excuses. Chicago did not win decisively by any means. Like the nope. the second goal, the one, the winning goal was super fluky. You know, it was puck luck all the way, but it doesn't matter. Once you get that lead, it's a team's job to protect it. And they did that. Chicago did a good job of protecting that lead so that, you know, they, they earned the win and yeah, flurry. There was one save in particular at the end where he, and you know, the one I'm talking about, <laughs> do, where he, yeah, yeah. he slid across the crease, protecting the bottom of the goal, stopped, and then did his sort of classic, you know, his chest save where he throws himself up against the bar. And, and it, I think it was the Donoff shot. That was, was, that was the game two, two against most goalies against most goalies. That was a two, two game right that second, yep. but it was flurry. And, and he, he made a stop that he probably shouldn't have made. And that made the difference. It absolutely made the difference between a win and an over, at least an overtime game. So, you know, flurry still flurry. He has, you know, he's still an incredible, an incredible goalie. And, 
Yeah. You know, I don't have any trouble saying that kudos to him. You know, he yeah, did, he, a, was. Was, he did a great job and, um, you know, we can talk about the Knights portion of the game, you know, in a few minutes, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, honestly, like that, that loss didn't sting all that much for me. Strangely, not because it was flurry, but just because, I mean, maybe partially because it was flurry, but I don't know <laughs> yeah. that I felt like that game could have kind of could have gone either way. And, um, flurry was a difference maker and you know, you like the guy. So I, I like the guy like, so you don't, you don't necessarily yeah. like hate to see him have success. Yeah. I still wanted the Knights to win, but. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And his but, save uh, that you were talking about, like, and, and I know exactly the one you're, you're, you're highlighting. I mean. Insane. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's an argument to say if Dodonov <laughs> hits the shot first time and doesn't have to control the puck and then fire it, yeah, maybe it goes in. But I still think, like you said, for 99% of goalies in the league, that was in that, the go, that goes in. I mean, and his save <laughs> to have his arms tucked in to his body. And it's, as I said, he looks like he's like leaping like a salmon, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, and that, that is, that is flurry. Those are the sorts of things where his goalie style. And you know his athleticism, even at his age, um, and as somebody who's in their mid thirties, I'm not I'm not going to start here hating on people's physical <laughs> abilities in in that age bracket. But it's it just shows to me, and we said this on the previous episode when we were talking about Flurry hitting the 500. Like he can't retire at the end of this season. What a waste for a guy who you know has done so much for the league. So I guess it's not a waste in terms of his career, but the guy's got so much to give. Like. You know, if I was a playoff bound team right now who could maybe clear up seven million in cap, well, maybe San Jose, but they could clear up like seven million in cap to take his salary on or half of the salary because you'd undoubtedly expect uh, Chicago to retain some. Uh, you know, I would be trying to get hold of him because he is still the man. Absolutely. I, I, he's got it. I mean, look, he's got, if he stayed healthy, he's got mm-hmm. at least another two or three seasons oh, left in easy. him, I think. Um, and that's as a starter that's as a starter exactly he could probably if he stayed healthy play another couple years as a you know as like a backup like a you know playing 30 games a season kind of guy or something like that Mm. but you know um yeah it's flurry still doing flurry things and and look you know if we're going to transition a little bit into the the fan base this is how much flurry is loved flurry is loved so much that Golden Knights fans or people who claim to be Golden Knights fans <laughs> were wishing for a Chicago win last night. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. that speaks to how much people love Marc-Andre Fleury. People who are fans of the Golden Knights, you know, uh, last night were sort of celebrating the fact that he came back and, and got a win in the fortress, right? Mm. And now how I feel about that is a separate issue that I might cover in a minute, but, but that speaks to how much flurry captured the hearts of people here in Las Vegas and, uh, you know, hell of a guy, hell of a player. Uh, it's hard to have any ill will towards him. I mean, he's just, he's a, he's a, yeah, a, a legend. That word gets yeah. used a lot, but he is, 100%. he is that word. He is an absolute legend. I've got a couple of questions I wanted to ask you, JP, um, because uh, you know, I get the ability as a as a Seattle Kraken fan to sit here and to stop prodding the San Jose fan base and start prodding the Vegas <laughs> fan base instead. But do you feel that the the game last night, win or lose, opened up some wounds to do with the trade? Because it had kind of gone quiet on all that sort of stuff. And I, I remember talking to you in depth about how it felt 
when the trade happened and how the fan base reacted, it felt a little bit like, you know, some of the stuff I've seen on Twitter and Twitter's not a good barometer for, for general, you know, fan base feelings or public feelings because it's, it always is the loudest, not the most, but it kind of felt like it opened some wounds last night. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I haven't heard uh, nearly as much flurry talk since the smoke has cleared a little bit, but yeah, no, that mm. definitely opened everything back up. And by the way, um, last night was the easily the best selling and highest ticket price game of the year. <laughs> um, without going into figures, mm. I, I sold my tickets cause I'm a season ticket holder. I sold my tickets for, uh, last night's game and they were gone, you know, in, in a year where selling tickets has been tough, you know, where it's been hard to sell tickets because attendance has been down a little bit. And in mm-hmm. a year where you generally have to mark your tickets down and take less than cost for them. That was not the case last night. My tickets easily went for double their original price and they disappeared within 24 hours of me putting them up for sale. You know, we have kind of a secondary marketplace that's the official Golden Knights ticket marketplace and they were gone. When I put them up, they were gone the next day. So um, high demand, Every you know, a lot of people wanted to go to that game. Um, and yeah, it did open some wounds. It was a weird thing. You got people like showing their support for Flurry, wearing Flurry jerseys, wearing Chicago jerseys, mm. you know. Um, so they all wanted to be there. They wanted to show their support. But yeah, there were tears, you know. And then there were a lot of people last night who were sort of happy, you know, that that, that the Blackhawks won, you know, like that it was some sort of revenge or some sort of middle finger to management or something like a bizarre set of emotions yeah. surrounding the player. And um, you know, like I said before, it, just, it speaks to how much he was loved here, regardless of what anybody's opinions are on management or how he may or may not have been treated. You know, that narrative is a little bit unfortunate too, in my opinion, um, because I think that situation was far more complicated than, uh, than the public narrative, the kind of popular public narrative would indicate, but, um, but yeah, it is what it is. People feel how they feel about it. You know, I can sit here and talk all about what went on behind the scenes because more information has come out since then, but, um, it doesn't really matter. People are going to feel how they're going to feel about it. And a lot of people feel like Mark Andre Fleury was screwed by management. Um, I don't 100% agree with that, but, but it is what it is. And so that opinion really fuels people's attitudes. And so uh, not only was it tearful that he's gone, but there was also that sense. There were some, a small percentage of fans who were like, you know, good for him, you know, screw management. Like he showed them, um, which, you know, I get it. I get it. I don't think that, you know, <laughs> it's still Chicago. They're still not going to make the playoffs. You know, <laughs> nope. The Knights still are. So I'm not sure that many, that much of a point was proved, but, um, but I, I get it. I get it. People loved him and they didn't feel like some people didn't feel like he was treated fairly. And, mm. um, so those emotions are understandable, um, under the circumstances. So yeah, absolutely opened some wounds last night, regardless of what my opinion is on it. I sympathize. I get that. I totally understand why people feel that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this is the show know that my wife is a, an avid, I mean, she's a massive flurry fan as well, but she's an avid, uh, Blackhawks fan. I mean, the day that I'd like to think the happiest day in her life was the day that she got married to me, but I actually think it was when Mark Andre Fleury got traded to Blackhawks. You're a close <laughs> so, second. I'm a, yeah, I'm a You're close, a close second or, or third. <laughs> um, but the uh, but it was like you know, I, I said to her obviously after watching the game, as, as good as Fleury is, I imagine how bad Chicago would be without him. 
because they're pretty uh, bad with him. Yeah. Like they would be an absolute car crash if, it, if mm-hmm. it wasn't for him. So it was nice to see them get the victory yesterday. But, you know, take rose tinted glasses off for a second. They didn't really deserve to win that game because I felt the, the, the Golden Knights outplayed Chicago. I, I agree with you in terms of the grit that Chicago played. And there was, like you said, I think it was five or six minutes or whatever it was in the third period where you guys couldn't even get a shot on net. But yeah. I, I still felt that against most of the goalies in the league, you probably would have done enough to have won that game. And Chicago didn't have that many. I mean, it's not a great night for Leonard's numbers, but it, it doesn't quite tell the story of his night in net, if you know what I mean. So, um, but interesting. Yeah. Do you think there's a percentage of the fan base, um, JP, that's just never going to get over that flurry trade? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I do. I really do. I, I think um, history is an interesting thing, and public perception is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And the way that whole thing played out, there was just a narrative that kind of caught fire about the way Flurry was traded and people latched onto it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what facts have come out after after the fact, because th- there was some information that came out after the fact that was spot on with what I thought at the time, personally. And mm-hmm. most of it revolved around Flurry's agent. You know, as it turns out, the, the relationship between the agent and management fell apart talks kind of disintegrated and management cut off communication with Flurry's agent for that reason. I had a feeling that might've been what was going on when it happened because yep. it did not serve management in any way to do Flurry, to dishonor Flurry on his way out. How would it serve them to do that? I knew they had to have a business reason for doing it. And after the fact, it came out that that was it, but it doesn't matter. I can sit here and talk about that till I'm blue in the face. The narrative that caught on was that Marc-Andre Fleury found out on Twitter and how dare management dishonor him that way after all he's done for this franchise. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. You, and I'm, I'm sure there are fans listening to this right now that don't care. They don't care about, <laughs> about <laughs> the fact that he has a vicious manager, you know, who's a known sort of astute and it makes him a good manager, right? It's I'm not speaking yeah. poorly about his manager, yeah. about Alan Walsh. It makes him a good manager. But he's clever and he's known for, you know, fighting for his clients. And yeah, he's, he's an antagonist. It doesn't matter. You know, and a lot of the fan base, they don't care. They no. don't care about that. They love Flurry and they thought management did him wrong. And once that that narrative caught on, I just think there's always going to be people that in in the record, in the historic record, <laughs> that will always be part of the story. People will always say, Oh, they screwed Flurry on his way out. Yeah, um, I agree. It doesn't you can talk about it till you're blue in the face, but but and and I think it's easier as well to have someone to blame when something happens that's heartbreaking to you. And it was heartbreaking for a lot of people to see Flurry go. It was. You know, I was very sad as well, but a lot of people took it really hard. It's easier to have an enemy to blame. And so in this case, management was that enemy. And they don't care. Management doesn't, they'll be the enemy. They're fine with that. It comes with the job. <laughs> management isn't losing much sleep over over that you know public nope. perception i don't think but they did eventually come out and reveal that information because they were tired of getting a bad rap for it but uh, but anyway i'm getting sidetracked yeah i think to answer your question i think that i think it's a complicated situation and i think it wasn't anywhere near as cut and dry or simple as people thought yes. but that doesn't matter the story will always be management screwed flurry on the way out and um that I think that 
that version of the narrative will always be discussed and people will always, always say that. Unfortunately, that's just, that's how history is written. You know, sometimes. I mean, the, the one comment, and as I saw a couple of people posting around this, and I, again, I can say this because I have got the emotion attached saying that, you know, it was the, the, the usual comments around, they shouldn't have got rid of him, but I'm, you know, I'm you know, sorry to be, to be the harsh reality here, Vegas fans, but you can't sign the players you've signed and not have casualties of cap. Like it just, it just doesn't work that way. I've seen it firsthand in Chicago. You know, one, the one pain of being a successful team in the NHL is you will lose some of the players you love the most. It's just, it's a, it's the product of a salary cap era, which is beautiful because it creates parity it allows teams to get to a Sunday Cup final in their first season. It allows teams to rebuild and to retool and for fan bases to go through highs and lows. But the product of all of that is that eventually you are going to hit your ceiling like Vegas did. And the second they signed Petrangelo, the second they signed Lena, they had already committed Fleury to somebody else at that point in time. So ignoring the bit around how he left, and like you, like you said, JP, we could talk about that forever. And you know, I, everyone's going to have their own opinion. And by the way, they're entirely entitled to their own opinion as well on it. So nobody's right or wrong with that. But yeah, absolutely. But the fact of the matter is, Flurry was going somewhere. So the comments around that they shouldn't have traded him. Well, then who is going? Because you needed to clear six or whatever million it was in cap. Um, and nobody was going to take him because they couldn't afford to. It wasn't because they don't want him. Loads of teams mm. wanted Flurry, but not many teams could actually eat that cap. And that's why he went to Chicago. That's why he went for so little. Um, yeah. And that's allowed you to get Eichel. That's allowed you to keep um, the Misfits line together. So yeah, I I can't predict Vegas's future, but I can predict that you will lose other players over the next five years that you don't want to lose but because you mm-hmm. don't have a choice and that's, you know, that's just life. Yeah. It's just part of the sport. And, you know, there's another portion of the fan base who will say to that. And I've had them say to me, I know it's business. I know they had to trade him. I understand all that. It doesn't mean I have to be happy about it. That's another narrative. <laughs> I, I agree that with heard, that. Yeah, heard I, a I lot. Like that, yeah. And, and yeah. 100%, 100% for anybody who's listening right now and you're thinking that, Agreed. You don't have to be happy about it. It totally sucks to lose Marc-Andre Fleury. So not, you know, certainly not saying that you should be happy about it no. by any means. Um, yeah. Hardest, the hardest trade in franchise history without doubt. You know, we, we all loved Fleury. So it, you know, it definitely sucks. And so, yeah, you know, coming back to your point, um, that was definitely in the air last night, right? It was bittersweet it's like you love that he's back in the fortress you love to see him down there you love to see him playing like flurry but it stings you know it totally yeah. stings to know that he's not a knight anymore and it stings to see him help chicago win instead of the knights you know and so yeah a lot of a lot of mixed emotions um and in a, a very 
highly watched game for a variety of reasons so it's it an was. interesting night i'd love to know the viewing figures for that game in comparison to the uh the rangers game because uh, yeah it was a it was a spectacle right. to say the least um i've right. got some questions about the week which i wanted to go through um you know we could probably talk about mark andre flurry for for the next two days sure yeah, yeah but and and undoubtedly it will come up again by the way because there's trade deadline talks. There is off-season stuff. So undoubtedly, we'll have I'll have more stuff to chat about Flurry over the next coming uh, coming months. Um, there's the, there's there's the dentures falling out. It's obviously getting too too late in the <laughs> evening, right? They're, they're getting. I have to get the uh, the thermogrip or whatever back on the go. So yeah, um, exactly. The, there's some questions I had around the week, uh, and not any spe- like specific game, but more. The, the week in general because let's, let's be honest yeah. um anaheim game aside uh which was a which was a good victory for the knights it's been a tough week it's been a bad week in terms of performances it's not a positive week in terms of numbers um but there were some close games in there so it wasn't like you got blown out of every loss and you sat there thinking god this team's a mess you know, the Winnipeg game, uh, I watched that and I watched the Nashville game and both those games, the Knights were were close. You know, it was it could have gone either way at those those kind of games. I felt that the Winnipeg game was closer than the Nashville game, but they were they were both pretty close. Um Saros was this normal uh, rock of a of a goaltender in the in the Nashville game. But one win in four is a pretty tough week if you're trying to make the playoffs especially when they're home games as well, because we know how important it is and how why why the fortress is the fortress, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is the amount of goals that Vegas are conceding a concern? Yeah, we spoke to this a little bit last week, a little bit. They're leakier back there than I would like them to be, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, you know, and as far as like making a deep playoff run, the only thing they got going for them is, other than last night, they they you know they do tend to score a lot, but yeah. Yeah, they're definitely a little leakier back there than I'd like them to be. Mm. Um, you know, I I think for me, what's going on right now, and and <laughs> I love the Vegas fan base. They're so passionate, <laughs> and but. it's a winning culture here. It's yeah. a winning culture in Vegas. You know, we are used to winning here, and so I think this comes along with it. But you know, and I guess a lot of sports fans are like this, but it's like the sky is falling. Anytime the Knights lose a game, it's just like, oh my God, that last night, Pete, a lot of people were just so angry that they lost to Chicago. And, you know, I, I think what's going on right now, this week, especially if I'm speaking to the broader point of them sort of not having a great homestand so far, you know, these guys were up against some serious adversity for the entire season up until just real recently. And I, you know, I think they had to dig really deep to storm back from fifth, fifth. Let's think about that for a second, fifth in the division. And they stormed back and are now in first by three points. Um, that's an incredible achievement. And they really had to be up for every game to make that happen. And that's not just the starting players. That's on all, all the way down through the organization. That's these extra guys, you know, Amadio and Hutton, these guys that they've sort of picked up on the fringes, you know, and the, and the AHL guys that were called up the whole, the whole organization had to buy in and dig deep every night and find different ways to win. And sometimes it was sloppy and that is emotionally and physically really draining mm. to go on a run like that for mm. two or three months. So inevitably, 
in my opinion, there's going to be a drop off at some point. There's going to be a little bit of a letdown, you know, professional sports seasons, they ebb and flow. You're just not going to be at your best every game for the whole season. And I'm seeing a little bit of a lull right now because of that hard work they had to do to sort of regain first. Hmm. It's yeah, it's not a great homestand. You know, if we're looking at the homestand right now, they're at 500 for points on the homestand five out of 10 points. If they manage to beat Toronto, it'll be seven out of 12. That's not a wonderful homestand by any means. It's not a terrible one, but you know, and that's assuming they win. If they were to lose that one, we'd be looking at five out of 12 or an OT loss, six out of 12. So, um, but when you look at it that way, it puts it in perspective. It's, it's not quite as bad as it seems. I, you know, yeah, I, I think, agree. You know, to, to get 500 on the homestand, you know, they've had some road game, uh, road trips where they, where they were hundred percent, right. Where they, where they took all the games on the road trip. So with some of the other portions of the season, they've sort of already made up for that, but, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean they don't need to fix it, yeah. <laughs> right? Like they gotta, they need to bounce back and have a much better game against Toronto. I also think after the Rangers game, which was absolutely one of their best performances of the season. It was. It was, it was um, pretty good. I think there was a little bit of a letdown after that because they went out that they dominated. They worked hard that entire game and the Rangers are no slouches, man. They made a division leading team. If I'm not mistaken, aren't they first in their division right now? Um, or close, but the I Rangers are check, but that, that, like you said, look, they're not, then it's not Arizona, right? They're not, they're not no. a, a straight. We're going to win tonight. They're a good team and they're playing well. Yeah. Very good team. And, um, reminiscent to me, the 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 Rangers are very reminiscent of year one golden Knights. And because it's Gallant at the helm, they're playing his style of hockey. So, um, yeah, relentless, hard team to play against. And, um, you know, the Knights made them look bad. So, mm-hmm. and they did that against the, the ducks as well, who, who were challenging them for first in the division. So it's a little bit of a consistency issue, right? The Winnipeg game was actually pretty close. Um, Nashville game was closer than it felt, right? I think they went down three, nothing and then stormed back and almost managed to tie it. So like you said, I don't think the, the score lines, they're all one goal games. You know, all of these losses are one goal, you know, lost by one goal. So I don't think the, the, I don't think it's as bad as Knights fans feel like it is. They're so used to winning here that that many losses like the fans are just like what you've got to be kidding me this is unacceptable um but i always tend to be that kind of guy too it, it does it does feel like that that every time yeah. that uh, the vegas lose a game you can just generally hear the, <laughs> the fan base saying <laughs> where it's like it's one game yeah so i i, I totally get that and i i think i, I just my this those two games I mean, like the the winnipeg game is a, is a prime example it's 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 one of those that could have gone either way, mm. you know, and, and if, if you win that game, then, you know, like you said, the whole, the rest of homestand looks okay, but you've got some tough games coming up. Let's be, let's be Ooh. frank. Um, no got, kidding. Toronto is not exactly an easy game, even at home. Then you've got Pittsburgh, um, Montreal. Let's be honest. You should be beating them. Um, because they actually have a worse, well, unless they won last night, but they, well, last time I checked, Montreal had a worse point percentage in Arizona. And that is an achievement in itself. It certainly um, is, yeah. And hard to do. And then you've got a road trip from hell. Oh, my God. Read read off the teams for that road trip. <laughs> so the, this is the road trip, right? So 
you get the joy of going on a plane and we were talking off air about how wonderful that experience is. Um, and then you've got Washington, Carolina, Florida, and Tampa. Oh man. I mean, yeah, that is, that's... you do not want like, I mean, you're not going into any of those games needing any points as such, cause it's a long way to go in the season. But you know, foreseeably, if you continue to play leaky at the back, those are teams that can score. I mean, you could, that could be their road trip from hell. So to, to me, that's a road trip where if the team can go 500 on that good. road trip, I would consider that a success. Yeah, I agree. Right. Like if they can win two out of those four, then I'll say great mission accomplished. But I'm not, I would not watch the Knights going into that road trip expecting uh, four wins. Yeah. But that's some stacked teams right there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And one of them's a back to back, back to back with yeah. Washington and Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Which is just, yeah, it's painful. Um, and, yeah. and also the thing to do with the fan base and, and where you were, were as a Kraken fan, I'll take fifth let alone first in the conference right now. So um, yeah, yeah, perspective is wonderful. Exactly. Um, There was a couple of questions I had for you just on the, on the games. I mean, it's worth talking about Logan Thompson. Obviously he played his first NHL game within this stand. I felt that, um, and I don't really, I was a bit surprised because I I don't know a lot about him. Um, I knew he was in the kind of system. I knew he was part of your system, but I, I was a little surprised when I saw, him start obviously I wasn't that close to it so I didn't know he'd been called up um he looked pretty good I was quite impressed with his performance he didn't do he pulled off a few nice saves obviously he didn't get the win and he didn't get that greater save percentage in terms of his numbers but he you know he looked he looked quite capable to, between the pipes yeah absolutely Logan Thompson's a very um a promising very promising prospect Mm-hmm. Last year won the, and I uh, feel stupid that I don't remember the name of the trophy, but he won the award for best uh, goalie in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so in fact, a lot of people this year before they signed Brozois, a lot of people thought maybe he was going to be the number two backup. I, I don't think that, I don't think the Knights were ever true, honestly, considering that I think maybe they don't feel like he's quite ready for prime time yet, but um but a lot of the fan base, because he is so good, a lot of the fan base were sort of calling for that. They're like, yeah, yeah, put him in, you know, he'll be the backup behind Leonard or whatever. But um, obviously he, you know, they, he needs to cook a little longer, so to speak, but, um, <laughs> but very, uh, very promising prospect mm. and um, has had some incredible games in the AHL and has been called up a little bit here and there. I think last year he might've been called up and, and, you know, seen like 10 minutes of game time or something. Okay. Um, okay. As a backup, but that that was his first NHL start. Yeah. yeah so as I said, um, he looked yeah. he looked good. You know, I mean, I've seen goaltenders look worse. That's that's for certain. And it's always mm-hmm. difficult at his age. Like you're on about them needing a little longer in the oven. I mean, I think he's. I think the Golden Knights organization did the right thing. Um, there's there's a sound quote to, to be used at later times, <laughs> but I felt they did the right <laughs> thing in terms of getting Brossois and not putting that pressure on him because. Yeah. You know, we've seen it with Carter Hart, and luckily Carter Hart has has turned it around a bit. It's hard because Philadelphia is so bad, but um, he goalies tend to develop later than you know than skaters. So it's it's not bad to have somebody getting like nightly performances in the AHL. Like the AHL is not that much of a drop off from the NHL in terms of performance that they're not being tested, um, mm-hmm. whereas. 
playing backup and playing very little games or getting lit up constantly is not going to help him at all. So, um, but yeah, interesting to yeah. hear that he's he's quite a good prospect because I said he's relatively outside of Vegas, um, gone under the radar for the last couple yeah. of years. So. Yeah, really, he kind of, I feel like last year is the first time sort of his name was, yeah. you know, kind of regularly in the conversation. But George McPhee, who, who of course was the general manager, now is the president of hockey operations, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Kelly McCrimmon, the current general manager, have both quoted publicly that they prefer to overcook, so to speak, overcook their prospects. So they're, <laughs> I'll try they, they do tend to yeah. try to like be careful about pushing them to the NHL level too soon. And you know, that's a, that makes sense, especially for goalies. Like you said, for goalies, it's a, it's a weird position, the psychology of the position. It's a, it's kind of a, there's a thin thread for success. And Mm. and yeah, they, uh, they were obviously thinking that when they brought in Brossois and Brossois was a, you know, is a great buy. Like for, for, he is, he is good for his salary. Like he's a great value. He's proven to be perfect. He's proven to be exactly what they need. So Mm. they knew what they were doing there, you know? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, and what I've seen, uh, and I won't bore people with stats on this episode, but, uh, you know, out of the two goalies, the Vegas Knights, you know, full-time goalies, uh, Bruce Wall's stats are pretty impressive for a backup. I think it's Lenners that are a little little weak yeah. this year. They're not, they're not awful, by the way. They're definitely not awful. They're, you know, he's got a 9.06 save percentage or something, so it's not, there'd be some goalies in the league that would kill for that. Um mm. Uh, yeah, you know, so he's not having a bad season, but by Lena's high standards, um, it's not his one best. of the goals. I think it was the the yeah, it was the goal in Chris Kreider's goal. I think it was in the in the Rangers game. You know, you could just tell like Lena looked at that and thought, "Yeah, I should have had that." So I think you know, Lena's not a Grubauer, right? He's not having that sign of season, but I, mm. Lena sets that one was pretty soft. high standards, and I feel yeah. like he's. He's just slightly below them, but anyhow. So last two questions for me, and and, uh, and then I'll, I'll leave you to the, the misery of the week that you've had. But um, the uh, <laughs> there's two players that I highlighted. One that I think is overperforming, and I think that's a great thing for the Knights. And one that I personally, I think, I feel like he's underperforming, but I don't know whether that's because I feel like he does more he does more things that maybe don't earn points. But the person that I think is underperforming is Buffalo Bill. Or Wild Bill, should I say, Carlson? Mm. And mm-hmm. um, this guy got Disney on the brain, hence I'm going Buffalo Bill rather than Wild Bill. But Wild <laughs> Bill, uh, who's no relation to Buffalo Bill and does not make <laughs> extremely nice chicken wings whilst doing a show, um, is is in my opinion underperforming at the moment. Like I feel like he is. So he's got ten points in twenty four games, um, and I know that like he does a lot of stuff. You know that is maybe not assists and goals. And you could argue that 10 points in 24 games is still good. And obviously he had some time out, which is why he's got less points than other people in the team because he's played less games. But I just feel like less than a point every other game for a guy who's a top six center, just like, because he's going to pick up a lot of assists like most centers mm. do because they're just on the ice with people that score. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he's just not quite producing like he was in the past. That's what it feels like to oh. me. Yeah, no, I think that's true. There's no doubt about that. And well, and of course, when you have that year one season to compare it to, mm. that was clearly an anomaly 
I don't remember how many he got that year, but it was well over 40 goals. I mean, he was just on fire that year. So Hmm. when you have that kind of season, it's great, but it also skews sort of all your other statistics. (laughs) You're like, well, he's capable of doing that. So, but, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, um, he's, he's been a little quiet maybe Mm -hmm. this season. And I do think, um, I think this maybe is more on the low end of what we can expect from him. I feel like um, mm. him, he and Smith uh, both are a little bit streaky when it comes to yeah. point production and goal production. And yeah, I feel Smith like over the years, yeah. I've seen both of them sort of go through stretches where they're just on fire and then other stretches where it just dries up. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, there are some players that you can just count on them. That like, to, like, I feel like, like Pacioretty is kind of one of those guys, like he's, when he's in, he's has he has a huge impact most of the time. Um, you know, maybe he'll go through little scoreless streaks, but he's not as streaky as those guys. So, and I think um, depending on what happens with the lineup, yep, I could be wrong, but I think we're likely maybe to see Carlson to get pushed to third line center. Um, mm. Maybe for that reason, just because we're, you know, we're now going to be, you know, you got Stevenson who's kind of, it's possible Stevenson could go to third line center, but, um, but I feel like his chemistry and speed, he's point per game right now. Like I feel like they may keep him with uh, patches and stone, but, Hmm. um, so yeah, I agree. And and I think Carlson's always been, he's gone through other patches where he's been kind of like that. His production has been down a little bit, but, um, I think I don't think the coaches sweat it that much because of his defensive contributions and his contributions in other parts of his game. I think it, his value is still there even mm-hmm. when his points are down a little bit. But um, but I have noticed that too. Yeah, for sure. So I know I'm going to ask a, a follow up. It's quite it's a probing question. <laughs> right. <Uh-oh. laughs> and, <laughs> could he be traded? If if the money if you need to make space for Eichel and I, I know that currently there are so many Vegas fans right now shouting at their iPods saying don't even mention it we've had one that's enough and I get it but somebody's got to we've already done we've, we we know that, you, that, that Vegas is playing musical chairs okay yeah. and you got twenty three guys in the lineup and there's twenty four with Eichel and you got twenty three chairs somebody's going yeah I, I just. I agree with you. Buffalo Bills. Oh, Buffalo Bill. I'm so obsessed with Buffalo Bills. What's I've just obviously got chicken wings on the goddamn brain. Um, Wild Bill. I was going to call him William Carlson because I can't get that wrong. Um, but he, he, I, I hear a fantastic player, and I think he's a fantastic center. And his performance, like in in his career at Vegas, has been outstanding. And nobody, when he was taking the expansion draft, nobody gave him a hope in hell of being the player that he became. He. Mm personified a lot of what Vegas did that made them amazing but somebody has to go and I Chandler Stevenson is too good right now he's 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 almost a point per game player which is mental yeah, for a guy absolutely. who Washington had on their third line and yeah, he was a traded depth, he was a depth very player. little for him um yeah. he's, he's a great acquisition and mm-hmm. you're not getting rid of Eichel obviously so there's one yeah. and two sorted so if he's mm-hmm. third line He's, he is, you know, and hate me for saying it, he's quite expensive to be on your third line. Let's be frank. He is expensive. And the team with Eichel now, in the once he's in the mix, the team is so center heavy. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So that's the other thing. Like the, the center depth. There are so many centers on this team. Yeah, Nick Roar as well, which we haven't mentioned. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're, you've got, uh, with this roster, the way it is, let's say Eichel were healthy. Let's say everybody were healthy in some weird world where the cap didn't matter. You know, <laughs> y- you'd have a bunch of centers that all have to play wing or get scratched because there's just no room for them down the middle. So, so yeah, I think, I do think it's possible. I think Smith is probably the most likely. I think Carlson is probably the second most likely. I hmm. think if it weren't Smith, I don't think they're getting rid of Marcia. So I don't No, No, the, some, no some people seem to think Marcia. So could be on the block. I kind of no don't way. think so. Like his contribution. Yeah. Like uh, no way. I think he would be way down the list. Yeah. But no I way. think, um, yeah, I think Smith, I think Carlson might be a second possibility. So it's, <laughs> It's definitely possible. I mean, look, you know, Smith's on a contract year, you know, but once again, that's, he's a winger, right? Like they, they mm-hmm. actually, in some ways you, you could argue they might need to, it might make more sense to move a center. Although a lot of centers can play wing, but Carlson, I don't see him ever doing that. I yeah, think he's, his, his production to me, he doesn't yeah. score enough goals to, to mm-hmm. warrant that. And obviously, yeah, you know, we, we said it earlier on this cast, like Vegas are a scoring team, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't want him to get traded, by the way. So I'm I am playing devil's advocate because I can, but it's I kind of think Chandler Stevenson is is outperforming him, and that's that's a problem for him right now. You know? Yeah, yeah. And the, the fan base would be heartbroken to see uh, Carlson go, but it's a po- it's a definite possibility. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. I think. It's likely one of the misfits goes, mm. um, and with Marcia so being the least least likely, in yeah. my opinion, um, because they they got to move a player that's one of these higher salaried players, you know, uh, to make room. Now, if in some weird world where Pacioretty stays out and, until playoffs, then like we said, then maybe this sort of a la Kucherov thing might happen and and nobody moves. <laughs> but I haven't done the math on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there would be enough cap space to make that happen. But Pacioretty's cap relief right now certainly helps a lot, you know, with him on long-term injured reserve, if I'm not mistaken, all of that cap is, doesn't apply right now. All yep. of Pacioretty's cap, Correct. right? Yep. hundred percent. Yep. Um, so that's, that's one possibility where they might roll into the playoffs with the roster intact as it stands right now. Um, and this is, God, are they going to make a move at the deadline? I mean, what, what move could they possibly make? at the you know unless it's in preparation for yeah. making space for Eichel but I can't see them necessarily well, I think this year like you said I think they can juggle the cap without losing Carlson so I'm not suggesting they're gonna you know trade him at the deadline they might have but to still next if the numbers don't work but I, I think mm-hmm. in the offseason I think he's yeah. oh yeah he's gone offseason somebody's got to go because they're gonna turn around and have all that cap again yeah for sure so whether it's whether it's deadline, end of the season, or um, or going into next season, yeah, one of those guys is going eventually. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And yeah. Carlson's a distinct possibility, I'd say. Um, who there knows? You go. It's a crappy thing about about sports fandom, right? Like we talked about earlier, you're gonna have to say goodbye eventually, and he might be one of them. You know. Yep. Welcome, welcome so. to Cap Hell, Vegas fans. Because yeah, this sucks. Uh, and it never goes. It was, yeah. As long as you are successful, it will stay with you, which is uh, yeah. So I've got one last, uh, and this is this is going to be my my hot take 
for the uh, for the for the podcast. Um, and <laughs> and that is a player that I saw a lot of, obviously, when he was playing for Chicago um, and uh, when he was playing for Dallas before that, which is uh, Janmark. Um, mm. mm-hmm. Obviously, he had COVID and he had a little bit of time to get over COVID. I think COVID affects. You know, obviously it affects everybody in different ways. Lots of people on the podcast will have had family members affected by it, and you'll see some that will take it on the chin and others that, you know, are quite bad with it. Um, you know, it's just kind of the luck of the draw in some ways. Uh, so I think it took him a little while to get over that. But my hot take is around Yanmark's style of play, the fact he's starting to get hot now, and I think he's going to be really important for you in the playoffs. And you're Agreed. making the playoffs, by the way. That's 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 a hundred percent happening. Like Vegas are in the playoffs. <laughs> so I'm, 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 that's not a hot take. That is a fact. You're getting in, yeah, right. right? And when you get in, um, they he is he is exactly the sort of player you want. Definitely, yeah. Well, and and Kelly McCrimmon was quoted as saying, "This is the player we traded for." Yes, that was it. Yeah. So what Yanmark is doing now is why they picked him up. Um, and yes, the COVID things, that's a real thing. The team has even commented on it. They did not comment on it. And I love this about <laughs> the Golden Knights. And and a lot of hockey teams are like this. But I love this about hockey culture is, is sort of this no excuses culture. So, hmm. you know, Yanmark supposedly had long haul COVID symptoms and was playing through them. Mm-hmm. The team did not make excuses. And during all of that sort of rough patch, the first couple, two, three months of the season, that was what Yanmark was dealing with. And the team didn't mention that. They didn't make any excuses. He didn't make any excuses. And there were a lot of nights where, you know, they could only get eight or 10 minutes out of him. Like it, it, he just was basically giving what he could to try to help the team get through, but was actually still pretty sick a lot of the time. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, DeBoer in his press conference yesterday spoke about it and just said, yeah, like he, he took one for the team. And even though it affects his stats and the way he looks, he gave what he could to the team, even though he was not at a hundred percent by any means. Um, however, now he's fully healthy. The long haul COVID symptoms are gone. He's fully healthy. He's feeling great. He looks good. And you see what he's been like lately. So, um, you know, and of course during the playoffs last year you know he got a concussion from a hit during one of the avalanche games so he's had some injury he's been out here and there but anyway yeah um mccrimmon i think was quoted as saying this is the player we traded for so i think this is what they're expecting to get out of him and it took a little while but it's nice to see yeah i mean gosh five games in a row there i think i think he had five goals in five games uh (laughs) on one stretch wow that's pretty impressive um, for a third is it, i think he's a third line guy third right line, now yeah, yeah i mean he's you know he's he's maybe unfairly seen as kind of just a big body who can hit yeah. and but you know he has he's quite a skilled you know forward and he he can score goals and you know he in certain games when he was playing for chicago like you know he looked to me like he could play top six now, he won't obviously in a team like vegas but he looked like he's got the ability the, the personal skill level to do that so but mm. those gritty players and the players, uh, he's he's a type of player that you don't have a lot of in 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 Vegas. And I just, I, for me, I think he's going to be really important in your playoff yeah. run. Um, so I, yeah. yeah, I agree. And he's um, the Knights have always been really good about. They always are sure to have at least two or three of these on their roster. What I call, mm. you know, I call them utility guys. That's not maybe the official, you know, 
terminology, yeah, but grunts, he's yeah. a great utility guy. Like he can yeah. play anywhere in the lineup. He can play and contribute anywhere in the lineup. He's a center. He can he play is. winger. Um, and with injury and the way things work, it's, it's important to have a few of those guys. You can plug them in anywhere. You know, you could like what you could plug them in winger on the second line, center on the third line. You could plug them in on the fourth and, um, and you're right. He's got enough skill to play top six, mm-hmm. but enough grit to, to be, you know, to be like contribute as more of an energy line player. So, um, I really like him. I like Yanmark as a player. He's, and he's a humble guy, like, um, in interviews, yeah. you know, it's, it's easy to like the guy. So it's, it's definitely a good acquisition. Exactly. And everywhere he's been, fan bases have, have always like, have been drawn to him because he, he's the kind of player that he was always looks like he's given a hundred percent and most fans would would agree that like that's kind of what they want from their team win or lose you want to know that the guys gave everything they had and he, he's that kind of player so i think he will be good fun little fact about yanmark um there last year during the playoffs there was mm-hmm. um there was a, a, fo- a twitter follower who would occasionally comment and kind of pop in on on golden steel on my twitter profile mm-hmm. uh whose last name was yanmark and so um I eventually had to ask, I was like, listen, I see that your last name is Yanmark. Are you related, you know, to, to <laughs> Matthias Yanmark? And she said, yeah, he's my nephew. Oh, so Jesus, so his, his aunt was watching him excitedly from Sweden, uh, chiming in on all of our uh, Golden Knights conversations, which I thought was kind of a fun, that was a really fun little thing, right? Like people read this stuff, right? Which makes you see, makes you realize you got to watch what you say because- yeah. Uh, you know, you're not in a vacuum on Twitter. People are actually reading what you're saying, including Matthias Janmark's aunt. So well, there you go. <laughs> so I'm going to have two contrasting bills. Uh, Wild Bill's going to be hating me right now because I'm suggesting he should be traded out of Vegas. And uh, Buffalo Bill's going to be loving me because I've just been giving him free advertising <laughs> for the last like X amount of minutes in the past, on this uh, podcast because I can't I'm, remember the difference between the two. Like a I'm, I'm going out this afternoon um, and getting some chicken wings wings, now Now i'm craving buffalo wings so So, um yeah so that's that i mean look we need to speak to yanmark's aunt clearly and and get her to sort her her nephew doesn't do enough podcasts is my is where i'm going with this and and he he should do (laughs) get him on the crack and show because you know why not absolutely and if he's not available we should get his aunt on but anyway so sure she can talk about what it's like having a nephew in the nhl yeah I saw some stories there. Uh, just well, talking of interviews, actually, it nicely segues in. Not that we planned for that segue, but nicely segues me into talking about what we got coming up. And uh, we do have a couple of things, big things coming up this week. Um, and even though we will have hockey to talk about next Sunday, because we will, because the Kraken are going to play some games, hallelujah, and hopefully they'll be positive. And the Golden Knights are obviously playing games because we talked about them earlier, and they've got some massive games coming up which we can go through. Um, but we've also got coming out next week our interview uh, with Gordon, who I was talking about before. So Gordon is a, a Seattle Kraken fan, uh, so you know we love him already. Uh, but he's also based in the UK, so what's not to love there? Um, and he's Scottish uh, as well, so we just he's just ticking all of the boxes that we would want. Um, but we we've got an interview with him planned uh, where we're going to be talking around um, the experience and everything that is the Climate Pledge Arena and how it felt being there and being part of the, you know, the Seattle fan base. Because I know for myself, whilst I've watched all the games like a complete shadow, um, 
and I can hear the atmosphere, it's totally different when you're in there. So we wanted to get firsthand of this and to hear a little bit about Gordon's journey because when we're talking about somebody going to watch a crack, like a cracking game, you know, this guy flew from the UK. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a long journey. <laughs> we, that's you know, hardcore. Say. So, so we've got that coming up, which is going to be awesome. Um, and, uh, and, and also we're going to be doing, a, we have a blog which is on our website and the website is cracking hyphen nights with a K of course, uh, com. Uh, and we've got a blog on there at the moment, which is talking about Seattle Kraken, but we're going to be doing some other ones over the next couple of months. Uh, one of the ones that we have planned, which should be out in January, but I'll, I'll let people know by this when it is out, is around perspective draft options for the Seattle Kraken. So some of the prospects, there's a lot, but we're going to pick two or three to kind of look at as to why they might work for Seattle and, and what they're doing right now. So if that's of interest to you, then definitely check that out. Um, I'm assuming, by the way, when I pick those players that the Kraken is not making the playoffs, I'm pretty certain I'm okay with that with that assumption <laughs> right now, unless we're going to go on some mental turnaround, which would be fantastic, but highly unlikely. So, so that is everything we have planned. We have plenty of stuff. Um, we are going to continue to do what you've seen us doing on Twitter. So we will be doing short snippets on Twitter. We've also got some videos on YouTube as well. So do check out those channels all under the same name. So if you go on YouTube and in cracking nights then you'll you'll find this pretty easily um so to all of our listeners new and old uh in terms of age of listen not age of person uh thank you uh and we hope you have a great week whatever you're doing this week uh, and we will see you next week so for myself and jp uh see you soon bye bye